Welcome back to the New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. James, there's a lot going on in the world right now with the Bo Bergdog Show, the ongoing Moncton Canada shooter situation, which is, which is a bizarre one. There's the Tiananmen anniversary, Obama in Poland, a new boss in Egypt, and so much more. And I just want to say from the outset here, you can always stay up to date by following our respective Twitter accounts, at Corbett Report and at Media Monarchy, or of course by subscribing to our RSS feeds, all of which and so much more can be found at NewWorldNextWeek.com. James, let's get right into it with a story from the Associated Press and posted to my own geopolitics site, Hunger Games Salute Used as Protest in Thailand. The three-finger salute from the Hollywood movie The Hunger Games is being used as a real symbol of resistance in Thailand. Protesters against the military coup are flashing the gesture as a silent act of rebellion, and they're being threatened with arrest if they ignore warnings to stop. Thailand's military rulers say they were monitoring the new form of opposition to the coup. Reporters witnessed the phenomenon, and individuals were captured on film making the raised arm salute. The gesture emerged over last weekend as protesters joined small flash mobs or even stood alone, flashing three fingers in the air. A spokesman for the junta told the Associated Press, quote, We know it comes from the movie, and let's say it represents resistance against the authorities. If a single individual raises three fingers in the air, we are not going to arrest him or her. But if it is a political gathering of five or more people, then we will have to take some action. If it persists, then we will have to make an arrest, end quote. In the Hunger Games movie and book trilogy, the salute symbolizes rebellion against totalitarian rule, signifying thanks, admiration, and goodbye to a loved one. But Thai protesters gave varying explanations. Some cited the French Revolution's trinity of values, liberty, equality, fraternity, and others said it means freedom, election, and democracy. While the strife imitating art nature of the phenomenon is extraordinary, it is not unprecedented. Other interesting pop culture examples of symbols being used to, po- to express political sentiment include Occupy protesters, of course, wearing the Guy Fawkes mask from the V for Vendetta comic book and movie. The practice of tying a yellow ribbon as a symbol of support for hostages, missing soldiers, or prisoners was popularized in part by the song Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree that topped the charts in 1973, referring to the Iranian hostage crisis and the Philippines People Power Revolution, both in the 1980s. Now, James, a spokesman, of course, for Hunger Games distributor Lionsgate said the company was aware of the Thai protest, but had no comment. So we've talked about something like this on Ground Zero this week. This is a different animal, but James, it's still on that level of sort of life imitating low art. What is your take? Well, yeah, there are a couple of interesting things to take away from this, not least of which the predictive programming aspects of this and how, yeah, Hollywood flicks feed into, uh, that are based on books, feed into revolutions taking place halfway around the world. It is a bizarre tie-in, and I think there's more to be said about that, but for my money, this is an interesting phenomenon uh, insofar as it represents probably the, the perfect uh, example of that that old idea that 
sometimes the reaction to tyranny is can be worse than the tyranny itself, or at least is bad. Um, certainly, yay, they got rid of uh, Shinawatra's uh, sister, the, the puppet uh, foreign-funded lobbyist-controlled uh, Shinawatra family has been ousted from Thailand, yay. And now there's a military junta that's delay, delaying democracy for another year. They're going to delay the votes. They're going to uh, arrest people who are holding up three fingers. They've already thrown reporters in jail. Uh, yay? Of course not. Nay. This is this is ridiculous. And I, I'm not, for one, I'm not going to put my, uh, my, my stamp of approval on what's going on in Thailand right now. I'm not going to get behind any military junta that's doing anything of the sort and trying to crack down on peaceful political protest, even if it is foreign-funded, backed, insurgent political protest. I don't care. The idea of throwing people in jail or trying to break up political assemblies of more than five people is disgusting. And, uh, and it is just tyranny. So I, for one, I'm not happy about what uh, what's happened in Thailand, even though the tyr- the tyranny has been uh, taken away, and it's just I think something to keep in mind for people who again are are act- activate uh, activists who are agitating for the overthrow of various uh, tyrannies we always have to be careful about what comes in to take its place because if you don't get rid of the fundamental power structure, nothing really changes. James, you reminded me even there as you were speaking, I, I do have other posts on my geopolitics site about the delay in one year in elections. And this, I, I forgot, this all kind of also kicked off with martial law in Thailand. Oh, let's take selfies. That, that's a whole other area I think worth worth looking into. And of course, we will include that in the show notes for this episode. James, our second story this week files under what we kind of jokingly refer to as the WTF kind of stories. The amazing stories that you see that you have to rub your eyes and and click on the story and find out exactly what was going on. Vincent van Gogh's severed ear regrown and on display in Germany. I think Mashable.com sets the scene pretty well by noting that if you were from the future and came back to find the moment at which 3D printing got weird... We've arrived at that day. A German artist just 3D printed a replica of famous painter Vincent van Gogh's ear using DNA from the great-great-grandson of van Gogh's brother, Theo. The result is now on display at the Center for Art and Media in Karlsruhe, Germany. Welcome to 2014. Now, for fleshing out of the story, so to speak, from the Daily Caller, the ZKM Museum in Germany has recently regrown Vincent van Gogh's ear and is now displaying the ear to visitors, The Guardian also reports. According to the museum's website, quote, the ear is grown from tissue-engineered cartilage and is identical in shape to van Gogh's ear by using computer imaging technology. Additionally, the ear functions as would a normal living ear. You can talk to the ear. The input sound is processed by a computer using software that converts it to stimulate nerve impulses in real time. The background, of course, Van Gogh, famous for his 19th century post-impressionist paintings like The Night Cafe and Starry Night. He may have gained even more greater fame for cutting off his own right ear. Why he did it has always been up for debate. Some say it was in a fight. Some say he was losing his mind. Nevertheless, Van Gogh and the story of his severed ear has lived on, creating fame that may supersede his own artistic talent, and now the ear itself will live on for all to see. James, WTF. Fleshing out the story, indeed. You worked on that one, didn't you? 
All right. Well, uh, yeah, WTF is definitely the the reaction to this story. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, here we are in sci-fi Buck Buck Rogers fantasy land, so um, it, we are living the future. And it's um, I mean, it's an interesting little story. Not really of much significance in and of itself, but uh, but again, as people know, I'm I'm excited about 3D printing technology and the the power that it brings to bring the manufacturing process down to the level of the individual Star Trek replicators sitting there on our desktop in the near future. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating and powerful idea, a revolutionary idea that has the potential to cut out the middlemen so that we can share through this open source revolution the uh, the tools and the knowledge for creating what we need for ourselves without having to. To, uh, rely on the middleman and this ridiculous uh, structure that we've come up with in the Industrial uh, Revolution Society. So I'm excited about that. I'm not particularly excited about replications of Van Gogh's missing ear, but uh, but hey, whatever draws attention to the phenomenon, I guess, might be for the good. Um, but WTF, it's just one of those stories that's kind of out of left field or left ear, I guess. And James, you said Star Trek, so I'll mention just a few other interesting, I think, kind of WTF stories, all of which submitted to us on Twitter by at Futures Calling and at Over the Rye. Star Trek-style tractor beam created at Dundee University in Scotland. A new technique could erase painful memories or bring them back, thanks to UC San Diego School of Medicine and scientists at Netherlands Kavli Institute of Nanoscience teleport quantum info across a room. That's they moved information from one place to another without it traveling. These are the stories, again, James, that, that let us know. Welcome to the future. Welcome to 2014. And speaking of removing the middleman, James, and as you noted on Twitter, we'll move to our third and final story this week. As real net neutrality starts at home, German villagers build their own broadband network. Coming from the English-language German publication, thelocal.de, too isolated and with few inhabitants, the tiny village of Lowenstedt in northern Germany is simply too small to show up on the radars of national internet operators. So the, vi the villagers took their digital fate into their own hands and built a broadband internet network of their own. Surrounded by wind power generators and fields around 30 kilometers or 18 miles from the Danish border, the picturesque brick houses and gardens of Lowenstedt with its population of just 640 people are spread over 200 hectares or 500 acres. With around 13 and a half miles or 22 kilometers of network needed to link up all of those houses to a high-speed data highway, we would never have found a company willing to supply the necessary fiber optics, says Mayor Holger Jensen. So, some 58 other communities in northern Friesland face similar difficulties, and so the idea was born of clubbing together businesses, individuals, villages, to secure access to a modern technology that's taken for granted in most German towns and cities. Solidarity is high in a village like Lowenstadt, and 94% of households pledged to sign up to the network for two years before it was even built, which was part of getting this all built in the first place. And, and still being worked on. This is not finished yet. We're too small. Without this initiative, we would have been forgotten, said resident Peter Koch, who added that he feels reassured that his parents would be able to benefit from the advantages of telemedicine and other technological advances allowing elderly people to continue living in their own homes. 
Mayor Jensen again notes living in the country with the luxuries of the town. He's also, James, the mayor is also a farmer who says the high-speed internet will enable him to take better care of his livestock. And there are other benefits. The presence of high-speed internet network could stem the exodus of young people, help keep companies in the region, support property prices, and make the region, which is close to the North Sea, much more attractive to tourists. James, this is definitely a good news next week kind of story. What a beautiful story this is, and I I take a lot of heart from this, because this is the answer to the people who say that, oh, the the only answer to the oligopoly of the the media telecoms and and those big corporations is is government. That's the only way we can provide this type of service to the people. Of course it isn't. We don't have to rely on the corporations. We don't have to rely on the implied threat of violence of government with the, uh, the gun to the heads of the population, forcing them to do what they don't want to do. What we can do is we can get people together to actually create create the infrastructure that they want. It is possible. It is happening in various places around the world. And why isn't it happening in your community if it isn't happening? This is the key. And and it's such an important lesson to learn. Um, and it's one that some that's happening right now. I, I don't want this to be a pie-in-the-sky thing that people think is, is somehow just, oh, maybe that'll happen in a couple of isolated cases. It is happening even if you don't know about it. It's happening in Kansas City and, and other places around the, the United States, Kansas City Freedom Network and and other places. I'll put in some links to some places where this is happening, where they're creating broadband networks uh, for for free use. And this l- relates back to what I said was the solution to internet censorship back a, a year or two ago on the podcast. I think it's the solution to the net neutrality debate that's happening right now. It's not what John Oliver is saying that our big solution to all of this is to go to the FCC website and leave comments. Ooh, yay! I mean, yes, that will probably win this particular round of the debate, but it will not win the next or the next or the next next or the 57th uh, round of this debate. It is going to be won by the big corporations eventually if we allow the government to decide this instead of taking the action into our own hands. Once again, private uh, pirate internet, the the mesh networking infrastructure, is not only a pie-in-the-sky idea, it already exists. Go to somewhere like Open Garden and uh, download the Open Garden app and boom, you're suddenly on a mesh network with 5 million other people that actually exists right now. So the the technology for overcoming these problems is here. It is in the hands of the people. We have to stop giving up this attitude that the only thing we can do is appeal to the masters to give us a few more scraps from the table and start rolling up our sleeves and doing the real work to create the alternative infrastructure. James, we will include the John Oliver net neutrality rant, which he implored folks to go to the FCC website, and it actually did crash their website, and the 13-minute video is is funny and cutting and definitely worth watching. Having said that, James, I, I think all of those notes are... are I, was, I was trying to stream back through the times we've discussed this on New World next week. I'll, we'll do that in, in post-production and include those links, because I know we've talked about places inventing their dead drops and mesh networks and and all of those things. So as long as we're talking about good news, we'll wrap up with a couple of hashtag good news next week submissions from G.J. Salisbury noting two different cities stopped fluoridation. That's Buffalo, Missouri and Oberon, Australia. And Blue Lou Streak on Twitter noted that the Massachusetts Pirate Party has fielded their first two candidates. So James, pirate parties and pirate internets, anything that breaks down the centralized control to me is is good news next week. And folks out there can submit their stories to us anytime on Twitter using hashtag New World Next Week. 
because, of course, we can't keep on top of every single thing, James. No, we can't, but we can try. So let's try again next week. Uh, James, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you again for your time. All right, man. Thanks so much.